Have the Conversation Podcast. Have the Conversation Podcast. Have the Conversation Podcast. The Have the Conversation Podcast. Have the Conversation Podcast. Real people, real conversations. I am pumped to be part of Have the Conversation. Over 600,000 people are homeless each night in the United States, and a large majority of that population are women and children. Joining us this week is Amy Ray, a group facilitator at Lake County Haven, a women's shelter in the suburbs of Chicago. Lucky for me, while on vacation, I met Amy and we bonded immediately. As I learned about her and her career, I just knew we had to have her join us for an episode. Amy's role at Lake County Haven is to help women who struggle with addiction and empower them and their children to live healthy, abundant lives. The Haven exists solely on the generosity of others. Anything from meal donations, the three-hour program, which stands for Rest, Restore, and Recover, and our personal favorites, Adopt-A-Night and the Kind Words campaign. That's right. The Haven has many ways for individuals and organizations to be involved. Join us on HTC's Facebook and Instagram all week long to see ways you can get connected and give back to the Haven. And for additional information on ways you can get involved to empower these women and children to achieve permanent, independent living, visit lakecountyhaven.org or htcpod.com slash episodes for more. Love you, Amy. Lake County Haven is a homeless shelter in Libertyville, Illinois, and just started because this husband and wife saw that homelessness was a problem. Libertyville is a pretty wealthy kind of area in the suburbs of Chicago, but it doesn't matter where it is. There's always going to be homeless people, right? So there's like 600,000 homeless people a night in the United States. And so there's just a need for shelter. So they started this shelter and it's for women and children. So we have women that come to us from having substance use issues and then domestic violence and also uh, money mismanagement. And I basically just work with the women that are striving to be in recovery. So they come to us for those three reasons. And some have children, some don't. So we have two shelters and they both have beds for 10. And then we also, which is really cool, we have condos in the Libertyville area that are furnished that if they get a job while they're with us, and obviously they're clean, they can live in these condos for up to two years. So our whole goal is to give them tools so that they can live independently again. They don't know how to do that because all they know how to do, at least the girls I work with, is use to cover up whatever they're dealing with in their life. So we have to really like start from zero and teach them. I always say to them, so you come to the Haven, one, to get sober, two, to get a job, because you can't go to stage two unless you get a job, because then they have to pay rent there, but we subsidize it, Um, learn new skills, and then hold the job, save money, and then learn how to live independently. So those are like what the goals are if I want to keep it simple. And I try to keep it simple for them because their brains are all over the place after using for so long. You know, it's 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 an unbelievable program. So it's been around since 1992, like I said. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's I love it. I love it. I mean, no day is the same, like I said before. And I have to really set my boundaries because I want to fall in love with these girls and, and adopt them. I would imagine. How hard is that? It's hard. I mean, you know, we all have 
our favorites, obviously. And actually, this is really sad. One of my favorites just died um, overdose last week. Oh, shit, Amy. She was clean. She was on crystal meth. Um, she came to us clean. And, and when you use crystal meth, you go into like a psychosis. And she hears voices in her psychosis telling her to kill herself. And she did. Oh, it was devastating. devastating. She was incredible. And like all my staff um, or all my coworkers that I work with were emailing and texting me because they know that she was my favorite, even though you're not supposed to have, you know? Yeah, you connected with her. Yeah. 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 She was just great. So it's just so, you know, and I say to the girls, this is life or death. And they don't seem to like comprehend that ever all the time because you know, well, I relapsed and I came back, but you know, the next time you relapse, you might not come back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and I think that's part of that addiction mentality too, is like, it keeps making it okay to go back if you minimize the consequences of potentially going back. Yeah. And if there are no consequences, then why am I even doing this? Yeah. You know, some will use and have lost everything and then come to our program. And then some will have like a very privileged life. So they come from all different walks of life, yeah. which is really, which really is what makes it super interesting too. Yeah. When they come to you, um, when you say that, is it through a program that they find your service or do they like knock on the door? Like, how does it work? So the girls that that I work with that come for substance use disorders or abuse um, normally come from a treatment center because many of them have to detox, right? So we don't want them coming in and having to detox in our program. We're not, we're, we're not set up for that. We're, we don't have the capabilities to do that. So they have to, they have to come from a treatment center and have been there at least for 30 days. And then the domestic violence women normally come from a DV shelter. And then the girls that come from mismanagement of their money usually, you know, have been living in their car or couch surfing. And that's super sad. And a lot of our women that abuse drugs and alcohol have also lived in their car, but they have to prove that they're homeless. That's a key component so we can get funding because we have grants from the state. And if they're not deemed as homeless, then they can't live in a homeless shelter. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's what I loved looking on the website is that they have the transitional housing program for afterwards. Right. The transitional is what I was saying was stage two. And so a lot of times what happens is so they get a job and they get some self-confidence back, right? And a lot of times we can reunite them with their children if they go into the transitional stage two program. So the children are not at the housing. Sometimes, sometimes they're not. Sometimes they are. I mean, and we love it. Like if we get a girl that's pregnant and then she has a baby when she's with us, we're like, our new baby. <laughs> baby shower. <laughs> yeah, we do that. It's so fun. We all fight over like who's going to hold the baby or whatever. But we've had a lot of women that come pregnant and then they have the baby in, uh, in our program in the shelter and then they can go to stage two. And if they have other children, if it's possible to reunite them, if they don't have, you know, legal issues or um, DCFS involved or the significant other allows or whatever it is, you know, we can reunite. That's like a huge goal is to get your family back because then you feel like you're yourself. You, you have some meaning. Yeah. 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 I can see why no day is the same. <laughs> I mean, it is just... Yeah. <laughs> No day is the same. And sometimes I email or text the girls that I work with on Sunday and say, what am I, what do I need to know? What am I coming into on Monday morning? You know, like 
who relapsed and like who still needs to process it and did we have any relapses and so you know that can just change my whole group because the girls need to process you know somebody that they've been living with went out and used and why can't they just do that you know so grateful that we have this this available to these girls because they're just they just need that extra help you know to get back on their feet and to realize that using is not going to help any of the issues that they have it's always going to make it worse and that's really something that i try for them to understand because they come to us and they have an emotion that is uncomfortable for them to feel let's say they're angry or they're frustrated and they're used to just going to use their subject sub substance to cover that up and that's not going to work like you're whatever you used over is still there and now you feel that guilt and shame of using so now you've just you know made it all worse just piled it on yeah how do you try to drive that message into them a lot of repeating myself and I do a lot of groups on, so we focus mainly on sobriety, right? And how do we stay sober? But the way to stay sober is to um, focus on our self-esteem and being accountable. Like, how do you hold yourself accountable? Making new habits, right? Instead of, you know, the habit of every morning calling your drug dealer to get your stuff, maybe take a cold shower, do some meditation, exercise, right? You know, exercise. Every time cold, like, I feel like cold showers get brought up almost every podcast now and Cal is just like, (laughs) palm to face. (laughs) Just because I can't do it. I try and I'm just like, there's got to be a different way. You can just, it doesn't have to be freezing where you're like, you know, turning blue, but even just like cool. I kind of, not to be silly, but I kind of have the addict mentality for, for my history. So it's kind of an all or nothing, even with a cold shower, it's gotta be the coldest or nothing, but I'm really, I am that way. I mean, I, the middle ground is very hard for me a lot of the time and the silliest of things. Do you want what you want, what you want it now? And if you don't get it, yeah, that's also addict mentality. Yeah. (laughs) Yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. But we do it in a healthy way, right? Like we know we want something and we trying for the most part. Well, you know, like if you go after, if you know, you want something, you have to have some patience sometimes to get it to happen. Like looking for a job, right? If our girls are like, if I don't get this job tomorrow, you know, life is over. Well, no, it's not because maybe it wasn't meant to be because of this, 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 and this. And they don't see that because it's breaking it down to see that it's working towards a bigger picture. And like you said, that patience is always, I think I've learned that as I've gotten older and and gotten healthier, clearly. And and the instant gratification doesn't always work. Right. Right. It doesn't, it's more of a disservice than anything because then it's not in alignment with, with purpose and in of yourself. I don't think a lot of the time anyways, but our girls don't tend to really know who they are inside you know because they've lost themselves so it's like you know and and I uh so I talk about acceptance accepting like um what you've done in the past and that we can't change that so we have to just stay in the day and we're sober today and let's not worry about next week or that wedding that might happen that you have to go to and people are drinking but let's get through today so accepting reality you know is really important and structure they are like dying to have structure and so our program is pretty set 
structure is to get up and do this by a certain time. And we have groups that they have to attend and then they have to be showered. They have like cleaning that they have to do and in bed lights out by a certain time. Because when we're using, we're like out there doing like who knows what, you know, there's no structure at all. Killing time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then, okay, so, and then balance. We do a lot of working on like just balancing things like, not every day is going to be fabulous. So there are going to be shit days, you know what I mean? And so how do we deal with that shit day and not make it the whole week is ruined? You know, my life is ruined. I'm going to go, I'm going to go use now because I had a bad day today. That extreme mentality again. Yeah. It's very manic in like moments of like distress, (laughs) you know, it, it can go to worst case scenario in an instant. So fast, so fast. And so I have to like Tell them to slow down, you know, take some breath, step back, ask for help. That's a lot. That's a lot of what I, you know, you can't do this alone. I actually had that. This is very similar conversation with my, one of my clients this morning. And that's why I'm so happy that you mentioned working on their self-esteem because a lot of times, like I I tell my clients, like you're not going to lift heavier weights every single session, or you're going to be lifting a thousand pounds over your head in a year from now. That's not realistic. So every day is not going to be your best day, but it's my clients that seem to be very critical on themselves and very hard on themselves that have the hardest time stopping to celebrate the wins and just kind of accepting that, okay, this isn't a good day for me. Maybe tomorrow won't be either. And it's a very quick downward spiral. Um, As opposed to if, if you stop and acknowledge like, oh, you know, Maybe I did this one thing better, even though everything else was worse today. You showed up. Like, you know, sometimes that's enough. You got through two reps of 10 instead of two reps of eight. Like you did a great job. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's looking at the smaller picture. And a lot of what we do is talk about the negative thinking. Like you were just saying, you know, like I'm not good because I couldn't, I can't lift this amount of weight right now. And like, changing the negative thinking to the positive. And I have them do that a lot. It's really hard for them because, you know, they think so negatively about themselves to begin with. And so um, positive affirmations work. You know, I, I tend to start my group with, tell me something good that you did for your sobriety yesterday. So then they have to think about something that they did well, or, you know, give me a positive adjective to describe how you're feeling today. So they have to think positively, you know, and then that, and that seems to click for them because then they can think, oh, I am good enough today. I am good. I'm not using, you know, I made it through yesterday. So it's baby steps. Is there resistance with that from people in the beginning, I would assume? answering my question or just giving just to even be able to get to that um, like being able to talk about themselves yeah you know there are some some girls are just more talkative than others and I always say to them like if they're new to the program I give them like my whole spiel of like what's acceptable during group and what's not acceptable and and I say group therapy is about talking because if you can give somebody else hope and maybe somebody else can give you hope. So if you don't share, then you might not be able to help somebody. You don't know if you've missed that opportunity. So you have to talk. And um, even today, one of my girls 
who had just relapsed a couple of days ago, she said she had thoughts last night when she was in bed. She had like what we call the monkey brain, where it's just like all, all over the place and you can't control your thoughts. Um, she said she thought about cutting and she started to cry. <clears throat> and I said, no, 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 let the tears flow. Like you didn't get up out of bed and do any self-harm. And I'm super proud of you that you spoke about it today, you know, because that might negate you from doing that the next time it's okay to think about it. you're going to think about your drug of choice probably every day but it's what you do with that thought you know and so she was like oh okay yeah I didn't get up out of bed and cut I'm like exactly so we're looking at the positive because you know maybe six months ago you would have self-harmed you know what I mean yeah definitely it, like you said too like those thoughts don't stop pouring in never it's always internal right like with addiction and, and just anything it's always all internal it is it is but I'm trying to get them to talk it out so they don't isolate you know in your thoughts or in your bedroom because that's easy to do it's, it's doing it a different way in isolation yeah I forget where I heard this metaphor but it was like thoughts are like waves they just come in and they go out and there's no stopping you can't stop the waves but the one thing you can control is what you do with that. And so she, she did the best thing she could do for herself and, and love herself, even as those thoughts are coming in. And just to remember that it's just a thought. It's not an action. Mm -hmm. I used to think though, my thoughts were me. Like I, I talked with, I'll never forget me and my, my, one of my best friends, she's very manic as well. <laughs> and so obviously we gravitated to each other because we think very similar ways but I was telling her I was like you know I was on the highway the other day and I had like a truck on the side of me and I just thought about like that truck just turned and just like totally ran on top of me or like what if I turned my car and it just ran into a ditch my brain just would go into these I don't even know why but it's I thought I was like making those thoughts come to me Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying those are pretty fatal thoughts though I yeah well okay don't worry about me <laughs> that's, that's an extreme example I'm not having those every day I promise I'm, I'm on my way Leanne I can be yeah, there I'm like, can you, how long can, does it take you to get to her house <laughs> run now <laughs> sorry mom no yeah. but <laughs> But just like as examples, right? So I was like, what is wrong with me that I'm thinking these crazy things? Red nothing, nothing is wrong exactly. with Exactly. What made you go into the recovery space, I guess? I was always interested in like criminals and like the jail process. And so I went to college and my original major, I wanted to be criminology and then I was like oh no there's a lot of math I'm not doing that but um is there really yes I know ironically there is and so so I just I always found it fascinating like when we would go to bars I would always find like people that are like really drunk like why are they doing that like I would think it to myself I would never say it out loud what why is somebody doing this why is it why are they like not making smart choices I guess that's what I was always curious as to why people do what they do and so I went to school and then life happened and then I actually fell into addiction short and quick thank god and I thought you know what I can use my life experiences and help somebody else so then I went back to school and 
got a, the degree in alcohol abuse, substance abuse, and addictive behaviors. And I just thought, you know, why not help somebody else? Because I was so taken back by the people that helped me because I went to a four-week inpatient and they changed my life. It changed my life. And so if I can just touch one person a day or a week, then I've done my job. So that's, that's sort of how I, how I got into it. Um, I was super lucky that my addiction didn't take hold of me and have me lose everything around me. Um, I was super lucky and I realized that and, and I'm grateful for that, but a lot of people aren't as lucky. And so, yeah, that's kind of what I did. Pay it forward. And I'm sure that helps aid in, in, in your recovery in, in a sense too. It does kind of, yeah, you know, and they, and the girls want to know like, well, how'd you do this? And how'd you like, yeah. you know, and I'm like, well, this is, this isn't really about me. This is about you because they, then they can take away anything that's about them. And so let's talk about, you know, let's talk about why is she this way, this way, that way, instead of, oh, let's look at myself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so interesting. Yeah. So I give just a little snippets because I think it can be motivational, but I try not to focus so much. I mean, when they find out that I'm in recovery, they're like, oh my God, she's in recovery. I want to go to her. But it, even if, even if I wasn't in recovery and I went to school for it, I could still help. Like, you know, if you go to a male gynecologist, they're just as smart as a female gynecologist. They're just, a, you know, a different sex and they don't have the same body parts. So I always try to, because the, the clients will want to come to those of us that are in recovery because some of my peers are. That relatability, I would yeah, think. Yeah, but it, it, I feel like it's kind of like a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like an excuse you know, because then they can, they only want to go to who's been in recovery because those other people can't relate. Well, yeah, you can, you know, and I'm just assuming, I don't know your background, Kala, but I'm just assuming you, you're not in recovery, but you can still relate. You know what yes. I mean? So it's yes. like, I try to help them to see that, but they do right away want to say, oh, well, I'm going to, you know, just talk to somebody that's in recovery, but. Mm -hmm. Well, you do, you've got to be a beacon of hope just them knowing that you, you do get it and look at you now, you know what I mean? So there is that, but everybody's addicted to something, whether it's food or their phone or, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Whatever anything. it is. Yeah. Any, yeah. Anything. So it is kind of interesting to, to put that out there and, and disclose it and see the reaction and then see if they, if they treat me differently. You know? Do they? They do. They do. You know, like some of the girls, because like, like I said, like you said, the relatability, like they're like, oh, I can relate to her better now because I know this instead of, oh, she's from wherever she's from. And she, you know, they want to like, look at how you're dressed and what jewelry you wear, you know, anything that they, they want to compare experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Cause who's going to, cause I think too, like, like you said that they might use you as an excuse um, to, to not look at themselves. Yeah. I think it can work the exact opposite way too, because then this person has no connection to, to what I've been through. Exactly. You know, th there's no way they could possibly help me. I, I would think that could, you know, work on the flip as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It sure can. And it's, and it's interesting because some of my colleagues don't disclose, but I feel like it makes me more real to them, you know, and then, and then they, can be more real with me. Mm -hmm. And it gives power to your experience. Like, yeah, you did have that dark period of your life, but look what you've turned it into 
and maybe they could do the same thing for themselves. And it can happen to anyone. Yeah, yeah. That's so true. You know, it can happen to anyone. You never know. Like, I never thought that I was going to get addicted, ever. I mean, we were just, like, having fun with, you know, neighbors. And then I was like, oh, God, I love this shit, you know? Yeah. And so, <laughs> uh-oh. <laughs> and then yeah. it went from, like, you know, one one weekend a month to, like, every other weekend to every weekend to, like, Mondays and Wednesdays. I never thought it would be, like, all day, every day. You know, and it went like this, you know, and it takes you quick. And so that's a reminder too. It takes you quick and it's literally life or death. I was so lucky. Yeah. So lucky. And I know that. And I know that. Yeah. You know, and I had support. A lot of these girls don't have support. I'm their only support. Mm-hmm. Is a lot of it generational or like their, their environment? Um. Yeah, I do think... A lot of it comes from family environment, family, you know, the, their parents use or they have a brother or sister or uh, husband that uses, you know, some of the women that come from uh, low income, it is just generational. Yeah. Their circumstance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, re- and, and, and addiction, you know, is hereditary supposedly, you know, so we, we, there's so much research. We still just don't know exactly where it comes from, but yeah, I think family environment plays a huge part uh, in it. Huge part. I'm so curious. What was it like going to school for like addiction specialization, like, and having your experience, like your own experience with it? And that's, that's a good question. It's funny because when I went to school, I didn't disclose much like I didn't talk about my experience in in using or my experience in rehab or any I never talked about it had I had I gone back now you know at age 50 and done it then I probably now I probably would talk about it Mm -hmm. you just weren't ready no I wasn't ready I wasn't and and I think I was just so new to it you know I, I had been sober for a year when I went back to school And so it was still so new, you know, I was still going to beatings and I was still really full on practicing, you know, my recovery. Like I don't go to meetings anymore, Um, but I know people that do, you know, and they go every day. It wasn't for me anymore. I didn't, I didn't need that, but some people do. And so, um, yeah, it's a really interesting question. Did you have a lot of aha moments like to learn logically, like this is what's happening in your brain. And then you're like, oh my God, this is why I felt this way. Or you know what I'm saying? Um, Yeah. I think all my life, I kind of felt like maybe I wasn't good enough. And so, you know, using, I like was like powerful, you know, I could just, I could just conquer anything. And I don't, I didn't need to use to be able to, feel good enough. And I think a lot of people don't feel good enough. And I know that my clients don't feel good enough. So we have to work on what is good about you, because we can always go back to what you don't do enough of or what you've failed at, but you can't really focus on that. So focusing on the good enough, um, I think, I think that's a huge aspect of it. How did you start focusing on the good enough for you? A lot of work. 
a lot, a lot of work. I mean, I think everybody should be in therapy, one-on-one therapy, um, a huge proponent of it. Um, as strong as you think you are, you can always talk things out. You know, I have girlfriends that I feel like they use me to talk things out. I'm like, if I, I'm going to charge you 165 dollars Yeah. But you know, here, here's my invoice 165, you know, it's just so motivating to like, look at how you're feeling and, and then talk through it, you know, because if you don't talk through it, like the girl who wanted to self harm, you know, she hadn't talked through it, maybe she would do it tonight. But she was brave enough to talk about it. And I think once you enter into once you make the decision that you're not going to use anymore, it's so brave, right? Like my life has become unmanageable. Step one of the, you know, of AA. And once you realize that your life is unmanageable, that's just a huge load off. Like now I can just give it up, you know, help me. No, there's power in giving voice to that for, for sure. You have to be vulnerable or you're not going to get the help you need. And I feel like I say that to my girls, like, let's really be vulnerable, like ask for it to talk about what you're having trouble with, you know, mental health, huge, huge reason why people use, you know, because they are anxious or depressed or manic, you know, bipolar, whatever it is. Um, And if we use, we don't have to feel that way, but it's okay to be anxious. But what tools are you going to use to cope with that anxiety? I'm not going to use drugs and I'm not going to use alcohol. So what's another option? And I think that's for everybody, whether you're in addiction actively or whether you're in sobriety, but like what tools are you going to use to help you? You know, if you had a rough day at work, do you have to go open that bottle of wine? What else could you do? For me, if I have a bad day, I'm not opening a bottle of wine and and alcohol was not my drug of choice, but I, I have other ways to cope with that rough day. I'll take a bath or I'll talk to my girlfriends or I'll play with my dogs or I'll read. You have to have other coping skills besides like, or, you know, drinking or cocaine or whatever it is that is your drug of choice. That numbing agent. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, anxiety is very much just a human problem I don't think there's anyone really getting out I mean <laughs> so I think I was like trying to think I was like is there anybody who doesn't have anxiety and the only person that came to my mind is that one guy who like did that free solo movie do you know what I'm talking about he did like yeah. the he climbed up this enormous like um vertical face of a mountain called El Capitan with no equipment and he's just chilling just like he had nothing no ropes if he fell he was gone I think he's addicted to adrenaline Right. Well, that no, yeah. yeah. Here's the crazy part, though. They did like an image of his brain and his amygdala in his brain isn't like there's something wrong with it or it's not fully formed. So it's just like if unless you have an actual physical problem in your brain, you're going to deal with anxiety like there's no getting out of it. Well, or is it anxiety or is it that you just feel anxious? I feel like those two are different. Oh, because I, I feel like I feel like anxiety is like the mental term or the, or the actual diagnostic term and being anxious is just a part of that. Okay. Maybe I'm talking about being anxious then. Maybe, maybe. Because I think there are times where people can feel anxious about things, but they don't have the diagnosis of anxiety. 
is anxiety more of like the rumination where it just, it won't, it won't go away. And anxious is more kind of like in the moment, I guess yeah. is kind of the way that I. Well, anxiety is when you have all the physical, physical uh, reactions to it, you know, where your palms are sweaty, you're nauseous, your heart beats, you know, um, and those are like the symptoms of having anxiety we're like when you're anxious like oh my god I'm kind of anxious about is the doorbell gonna ring but you're not feeling that and those anxiety symptoms do you see the difference yeah yeah that makes sense anxiety is like chronic anxiousness just like a, a chronic I would yeah yeah okay okay I would yeah say then so. I have anxiety <laughs> <laughs> do you Am I clinically diagnosed? Um, I, I guess. I mean, no, I don't feel it all the time. Is anxiety, people who are diagnosed with anxiety, do they feel that anxiousness all the time? No, no, okay. no, 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 oh, no. I was like, how but do you live? When, you're, when you have a physical reaction, that's anxiety. Do you feel like anxiety is fueled by the depression? No, I feel it's probably fueled by what's going on in your life. Mm-hmm. Your situation. Or, yeah, it's situational. Mm -hmm. I think so. I think depression is 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 deeper than that. Yeah, they're not the same. How come they like? Because you seem to not you, but like we seem to hear about anxiety and depression going hand in hand, like, like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. <laughs> why is yeah. why is that? I don't know. That's a really great question. I don't know because um, they don't because they're opposite. That's what I would think, because anxiety is more of like a manic, high energy um, kind of feeling. Yes, and, then and depression. depression is in bed, in the dark, not wanting to talk to anybody. They don't, I, I, they do seem to go hand in hand, but they, they don't, they're, nothing about them is the same. But people think that you either have one or the other. Or, you, I mean, you could have both, and that's, yeah. that's, that's brutal. The rolling highs and the rolling lows, you know, it's just kind but of. Then are you, but then are you, you know, manic depressive? Right. Or are you bipolar? Like there's always a label. There's so many terms. Yeah. And it goes back to kind of what you were talking about of, of one of the steps that you, you help the women through is that balance, you know, of, of the high highs and the low lows. And, and right. And you don't have to label yourself. You, I'm sorry to cut you off. You don't have no, to. Oh, it's so true. You don't have to, and, and the society is so wants to label everything. You can have a good day, and you can have a bad day, and it doesn't mean that the bad day you're depressed. <laughs> so true. Yeah. yeah, because that's just about life. This is like life on life's terms. Like there's going to be good, there's going to be bad. It's not always going to be, you know, I always say like, you know, rainbows and butterflies. It's just not. It's how you deal with it, you know? And, and I think that our, our world has like made it so people think that you have to ha be great all the time. And if you're not, then you're depressed or you're mentally and something's Ill. wrong with you. Something's wrong. And there does, it, it, it doesn't have to be like that. It's just having feelings and emotions and living through them. Hmm. The, the first time I'd ever heard of this was with, um, we had a girl on named Sarah and she struggles with. Uh, her bipolar disorder I watched that one yeah did you okay do, do you remember the part where she talked about toxic positivity yes I thought that was so interesting because I feel like especially with my job I can't just show up with a client and be like hey like let's get started so like I have to like kind of like you know put on my happy trainer face and and sometimes it does feel 
fake because I'm not feeling that way. Like not genuine. Uh huh. Yeah. But I never thought of it as a toxic thing. And I guess it wouldn't be unless I was like fully denying the fact that maybe I was having a bad day or something bad was happening in my life. Mm-hmm. I think it's about customer service at that point. Lisa. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I'm just using bad examples today. <laughs> but why does our society make it so that you can't say, you know, I'm kind of having an off day today. I'm so happy to be here with you, but I maybe might not have the energy that I used, I had yesterday. Like, why is that so bad? 100%. Because then you wouldn't need a medication to help you fix your problem. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I feel like we're, we're, I mean, you said it when we were in Cabo. I mean, we were in an over-medicated society. Um, and I just feel like people have become too comfortable using the word depression. Like mm-hmm. in high school, I look back and I'm like, oh, I was for sure depressed, but I wasn't a walking, walking around being like, I have depression. Like I just thought I was a high school kid that hated school and everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. That's just, that was, but it was hormones. But you know what I mean? High school, right. Yeah. Like that's high school. I mean, we're just like filled with all these emotions in high school. And so is there something wrong with you? No. But does our society make it like there's something wrong with you? Yeah. So then it leads to my clients, you know, they don't feel good enough. So let's use because that way I don't have to feel that feeling of depression or I had a bad day or I'm anxious about something coming up next week so if I use it's all it's all covered up and then takes the responsibility away nobody will ever know yeah Mm -hmm. and also I love that you said you don't need to label yourself because I feel like a lot of the time if people label themselves like I am depressed I have depression they almost won't let themselves come out of that get out of it that's what I am now I am depressed Yep. And I see that a lot with my girls, you know, um, today, even we were talking about my group topic today was about women and addiction and what the differences between women and men and women seem to have more mental health issues than men. But think about it, you know, because we do get labeled so much more, you know, and, and one of the girls was like, now that I'm not on my drug of choice, I can actually take care of my mental health and get on the right meds instead of being on like way too many and using now I can, I have a clear head and I know what meds work. Because if you're taking all these meds and then using a substance, we, we don't know really if it's the substance that is, there's no baseline, none. That's the hardest part with finding the right medication too, is because a lot of people just want to feel better. So they won't let the medication set in and work because a lot of those antidepressants will take months and experimentation and people just want to feel better. So it's like, no, I'll just smoke this or use this instead because that then I will feel better. I'll have that beer, that instant gratification, those three beers, I will feel great. I'll sleep great, you know, and then tomorrow night, oh, maybe I'll have four. And then now we've like become this pattern of it makes yeah, and a majority better. of the time from like um not necessarily my own experience but people close to me the next day they wake up feeling like shit so the purpose isn't there they're not going to get up and make big changes that day it's right. everything they can to get to the next reason to have another whatever that's it right is. that's and then right there's and, the so guilt. We're, and we're stuck Probably. in the cycle and then the guilt right yeah it's it's just it's just a crazy crazy cycle and and once you get stuck in it it's super hard to get out of. It's super hard because it makes you feel better instantly. 
you know? And especially if you've given yourself that label of this is who I am and this is what I deal with. Well, already you've capped your potential right there. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, speaking of labels, I wanted to say, I always find it interesting. And I did when I went to AA meetings, you know, people would introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Amy. I'm an addict. Well, no, I'm not an addict. I'm a recovering addict. And so I say that to my girls, like, how do you introduce yourself when you go to the meetings? Because this is how I want you to introduce yourself. I am a grateful or whatever recovering addict or grateful recovering alcoholic, because you don't always have to label yourself as an addict, because then we think, oh, I'm an addict. It's okay if I want to just try, you know, maybe I'll just this is expected of me. This yes. behavior is okay. They would expect yes. this from me. Because mm-hmm, I'm an addict. Mm-hmm. Well, no, you're a recovering addict. Take that power back, the power that you gave to, to the addiction and give it back to yourself and, and be thankful in, that you're still here. <laughs> yeah. And it's the choice in words. Like we were saying, if you label yourself this and you believe it over and over and over, you know, I'm not good enough because you know, I lost my child because I, whatever I did in my addiction. And then that just feeds into wanting to use more and more and more to cover it up. It's funny because through this podcast, obviously it's all conversations, which are all words. That same message keeps popping up of like how powerful words actually are. They are. Cal and I were, um, we were both talking before, before you came on about one of the, um, I guess the resources you guys offer is a kind words campaign. Yes. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit? We thought that was so cool. It is really cool. Um, so random people just like write nice things for inspiration or whatever it may be to uplift you. And so we put them in a little frame in the hallway and that they know that there's somebody out there that is supporting them. And having support is so important right when you're in uh, early recovery for sure. And so just knowing that you're not alone. So these kind words are just like an inspiration, which is a real, it's really neat. It's really neat. And so we are all, all by donation. So the area that we're in, like I said, it's Libertyville. Um, It's, 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 fairly wealthy and the people are phenomenal like we have our every meal is donated um groceries are donated everything is donated in the shelters couches uh bedding everything and so you know I try to remind the girls like how lucky you are that there's all these people out here you don't even know that care about you and your well-being and the kind words kind of give that too you know there's people out there that want you to succeed and you can succeed if you believe you can yeah we're rooting for you <laughs> yeah yeah exactly well and, and the beauty of that too is yes you accept donations but giving your kind words are completely free and that's what I like thought was so powerful because you can always give something yep Yep. When we weren't in the pandemic, I did a random acts of kindness group. And so we would give back to, you know, like the police officers, maybe we would bake them cookies or like at the train station, we would give out lemonade or hot chocolate just to like give back because that's part of also staying sober and staying healthy is to give back. You feel good when you give to somebody, you know, instead of always taking, taking, taking. And obviously I can't do that group now because we're in the pandemic, but right. um, I know, but it really makes them feel good to give back. Gives them kind of some dignity back. Definitely. Totally. I, 
I heard, um, I think it was a, a Catholic, I don't know if they have reverends or it was, it was someone very high Priest, in the Catholic church. Yeah. I heard, yeah, mm-hmm. it, uh, he was doing a podcast and he was talking about how if there is a homeless person on the side of the road begging for, for money, instead of just handing them that money, like it doesn't feel good to just blindly accept things from people like just as a human. So you can even ask them to just pray for you, just give mm-hmm. them the money and say, will you pray for me? And that puts the dignity into their hands. Like, yes, I received this money, but I will do something for you. And then it builds them up mm-hmm. in a way that wouldn't, if you just handed them over the cash. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. You said um, a homeless person on the street and our world has created this vision of what homelessness looks like. And if you saw the girls in, in the shelter, you would never think they're, they're darling, you know? And so it can happen to anybody. And so we put this label on what homelessness looks like, but none of them look like they're homeless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw some videos, like just testimonials, and yeah, um, they were beautiful. Some of the women, oh, yeah, you guys watched absolutely. I literally put this box of Kleenex by me today because I'm like, if we get into this, I'm gonna lose it. I'm going to lose it. <laughs> like they're inspirational. These people, they're trying to better their lives. Yeah, and who doesn't want that at any level? I mean, you. I think people, and and a lot of the this podcast was kind of founded on this concept of we don't want to hear from the celebrity and all that we want the real people who are doing the work (laughs) who are like trying to be better and that to me is is more relatable that that's the the majority of us fall into that category and I think that's where we need to learn and, and, and share these conversations because you like you said words have power and you do not know who you're gonna affect with with your story and with your words that's right that's right absolutely and a lot of people think of their mistakes and their dark points in their life as their weaknesses and they're very shameful about it. But if you learn from it and use it as a, as a tool to grow and then, and then share your story with people, then it's like becomes the most powerful thing about you mm-hmm. because you are helping people because of your experience. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if I would have gone down this road had I not had some of the experiences that I had um but I feel like this population sort of gets pushed off to the side you know homelessness right we think of what do we think of when we think of homelessness we all have an image and it's not always that image and neither is and it's usually you know, men I would just like to say that 100% I have a stigma in my mind about what that looks like and I picture a man on under a, a bridge that's what right. I picture in my mind not a not a woman with her children no correct no right yeah and and and, and there's a huge need for um women shelters and um, and just not enough, not enough shelters for them. There's just not enough. Uh, we just recently opened a second shelter, like blocks away. Um, so we really just had one, and now we have two, and they're filled. You know, I mean, the pandemic has obviously changed our numbers a little bit, like because of social distancing and whatever. But yeah, we have like you would not even believe the stacks of applications we have. So, so Kelly, you asked at the beginning, so the girls have to go through an interview process, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, 
I mean, we can't just take anybody off the street because sometimes if their mental illness is more than we can handle, then we can network them out to, you know, uh, the health department that has more mental health uh, facilities for them to, to take advantage of. But yeah, I mean, I have to remind our girls that there's a waiting list, you know, and if you can't follow these small things that we ask of you, there's so many other women that would want to come here. So there's a door if you feel like you can't, you know, we have people that leave and never come back, you know, they're going to a job interview and then they never come back. And that's heartbreaking, you know, I would think heartbreaking. Um, But, you know, they, they do know how lucky that they are to be in our program because it's nothing like it. It's just exactly a really cool program. And, you know, we take your children. Right. So with the, with the structure and the routine, and you kind of walk through a little bit about what every day is, how do the kids fall into that? It's hard. That's hard. Depending on the age, right? They have to go to the schools that, that are in that area, which are typically a better school system than they have come from before. They, if they're little, they'll just sit in the groups with the, with the mom. Um, the mom is a little bit more restricted in where she can go and what she can do because she has to have uh, childcare, right? If the, if the child's not in school, but we help her with all that. So, you know, like I said, when there's a newborn, we all are like fighting over who can watch the newborn while she's in group or while she, you know, goes to the doctor's office. So they're really lucky in that sense because they have that support right there. I mean, there's 10 women and, you know, four staff people that are willing to help them. Um, We don't have like separate groups for the children, which would be something really cool if we could staff that and figure out a way to do it. But we do work with the schools that they're in and they know that they're living in a homeless shelter. Sometimes if they're of age, they will have a case manager that they'll do one-on-one sessions with. And we ask, you know, that they can, we have a partnership with a talk therapy group that we send our girls to. And so, you know, the kids can go to that. There's lots of things accessible to them once they enter our program that aren't, that, that aren't there if they're living with their mom in their mom's car or, you know, with their grandmother. So, and then it's just teaching the mom some parenting skills too. You know, we are always giving her pull-ups if we notice that she's talking a certain way or doing something a certain way, you know, and then, and then they also have food, which is huge. You know, we, we, I take it for granted, you know, I have a, a pantry full of food and my fridge full of food, but they, you know, some of them come from, you know, they're begging on the street. So I think it's like just a, a, they can breathe easy if they have their child with them because they know that they're taken care of. Yeah. Yeah. They have a roof over their head and they're fed and, and yeah, a comfortable bed and, you know, all kinds of other women that are like doting on them and yeah. wanting to help and wanting to help. So it's like a little tribe. I love it. Really is. It's like that, that sense of family that they probably have been longing for. Yes. That, that, that unwavering kind of support, but with the tough love, like a good parent, you know, yes, <laughs> like you, absolutely. you want the best for them, but you're not going to let them just get away with, no. with, with what they've been used to doing. And mm-hmm. that takes mm-hmm. a strong, strong heart yeah. in, in hand to help them through that for sure. And, and, and some of the girls that come back will tell us, you know, I still make my bed every morning because I learned that, you know, making my bed was super important and just little things that they learn, you know, being on time to group is going to pay off when you get a job because 
being on time to your job is going to enable that you keep that job, you yeah, know, yeah, so yeah. little things that they don't even think of that we instill every day, they take with them. And that's the hope. What are some other resources or benefits that you guys offer? Because I, I saw that on the website, you guys help them gain employment, decrease their debt, um, help with life skills. Like what does that look like in terms of like programming? So we help them with their resume obviously first, and then we give them some skills for interviewing. You know, we can do like one-on-one role-playing. And then once they get the job, we have them open a bank account, which some of them have never had. And we ask that they save 80% because then that money can go back to them once they leave our program to live independently. So we also have them do a budget. We do have some volunteers that do groups, like we have a gentleman who comes in from the bank, and he does a lot of budgeting, talking with them. And so, yeah, just some basic, basic life skills. So, yeah, getting a job, saving money, opening a bank account, even like cooking. So they have chores. They all have certain chores in the house. And one of the, if if you have the kitchen, you have to make dinner. Again, all the meals are, are, all the food is donated, right? So you have to make dinner for everybody. So they're learning how to cook and they're, you know, cleaning up after yourself. The kitchen is, it's spotless. Like, I'm not even kidding. Every night they clean. And then once a week is deep cleaning. It is the cleanest place you, I, I <laughs> and, what a and bonding experience though, for those women in, in that setting, it's safe. You kind of the worry of what's going to be on the plate is taken away and they can really Absolutely. just be and sink into to learning those necessary skills. I think it's such a beautiful gift that y'all give them. It, it is. It's Aww. so beautiful. Yeah. It's really neat to see, you know, 70% of our, about 70% of our women stay sober when, from the report that we get back, we don't know for sure, but that's like what we are reported. 82% of them increase their income because, you know, they, that's a huge number because they weren't working before. And then 76% of them move on to independent living, which is huge, huge. I don't, and you don't see numbers like that coming out of rehab facilities and even other just individual halfway houses as well. It's, not, it's nothing like Our program is so unique because it touches on all the aspects of their life. And if you don't have recovery, you can't have any of the other aspects, right? So Staying, staying sober is number one. And then we're going to teach you how you can get a job, how you have to dress, act, talk, look, whatever. Um, and then how you have to save your money. And then all the coping skills, all the, everything you need to know in order, you know, self-esteem, accountability, new habits, everything we talked about earlier, the negative thinking, the affirmations, you know, transitioning, all of it. Um, so you can be independent. And that's the goal you come to us because you want to learn how to live independently again. So what has working with these women taught you? You know, I mean, just gratitude for one, like I'm so grateful that I have a loving husband, that I have loving parents, my children um, that have a job, you know, they give me, um, they give me some power. Like I've done this. And I, and I want to give the power back. Like you can do this because this works, you know, um, what else has it taught me? That's really just loaded. 
I just think gratitude is probably the, the, the main, the majority of it, just to be grateful for what I have. You know, and I, sometimes I catch myself getting stuck in like negative thinking of, you know, oh, I, you know, I don't like this about me or I wish I had that. And then I think, okay, how lucky I am that I have this, that, and this, you know, and not to be so self-absorbed to give other, to give to others, you know, cause that always makes me feel really good is giving and helping. I guess it's just kind of in my bones to just want to help and, and make sure that somebody else is happy. Um, lowering my expectations, I think I've learned to do. You know, not everybody is going to be the way that I want them to be. All of us though, right? I expect like so much because I give so much and I can't do that or I'll always be walking around, you know, unsatisfied. Yeah, with a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. I can turn to resentment real quick real quick real quick and like the resentment's only hurting me it's not hurting you yeah yeah they could care less yeah right yeah they have no idea that I'm pissed right so it's yeah. like <laughs> or they will they will they one make day. sure they know <laughs> that's a tough question though that's a tough question you know and some days are harder than others like Mondays seem to really be brutal you know I'm trying I'm like pulling at strings to get them to talk on this Monday was funny. I thought, all right, I'm going to just throw something at them, like totally different. I talked about colors and like how colors can affect our moods. And, and they were all like, nah, I wear black. I, I, that's fine. I, I mean, I don't feel, it doesn't make a difference when I wear yellow. And I'm like, really? All right, let's talk about what yellow, yellow brings this, this, and that now. And they were like, not even having it. But if I did the group on like a Thursday, it might've been different. But it was funny because today, one of the girls who always wears black, she had a green sweatshirt on. And I said something to her. I was like, I love that green sweatshirt. And she's like, I found it in donations, Miss Amy. And I put it on because I knew you'd be happy. Oh, and I was like, okay, I'm happy that you're wearing green, but how does it make you feel? Yeah. You know, because, but she had like a different attitude about herself, you know, different perspective. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's something so small that if you realize it can make a difference in your day. Absolutely. And the cold shower, Kala. <laughs> Kala's going to play that one on loop. <laughs> <laughs> So I was telling Leanne in college, I, I was actually a design student. That's what my background is, is interior design. And then I switched to all this media stuff. But um, uh, we volunteered at a women's shelter to decorate for Christmas and to kind of do stuff for the kids. And that was the most humbling experience. And I just left having no idea, no idea what you do for them and, and, and one what those women have been through. And and a lot of them were standoffish because like you said, you come in and maybe you look different than, than the people that they're used to. And so they, how do you kind of do that delicate dance of I'm cool, you're cool. <laughs> Let's, you know, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. I think they learn yeah. to be guarded too. Absolutely. It's like a learned behavior. Well, you know? What are these people doing here? And are they going to judge me because I'm in this homeless shelter? You know, you know what I mean? Because they felt they have felt judged for so long. So why wouldn't you be judging me? But, you know, we have people come in and decorate too for the holidays. And then we have, we do, we do. And um, if you're in our shelter, like through Thanksgiving, through Christmas, you get so much stuff. It's unbelievable. Like people are so generous because they just want to help make somebody feel okay. 
the thought of other people not having what you have it's painful just yeah and just based on situation or or experience or addiction or whatever whatever happened that should not be taken away from them and a lot of the times it is yeah and and, and speaking about like the kids they don't have the money to buy their kids gifts and it's heartbreaking to watch the mothers go through that and so we take care of it you know we we give them all winter coats because obviously Chicago's freezing and so they you know if they don't come with clothes we have to provide them clothes and it's kind of funny because I'll go through my closet and they're like oh, Miss Amy's clothes and they'll like run through it <laughs> and sometimes the staff will be like I want to look through before you give it to the girls yeah <laughs> But like, you know, people donate such great stuff. Yeah. Amy, I don't want to keep you all day, but let's, um, let's wrap this up. I wanted to ask if there's any like news or events or, or anything coming up that you can tell people about or ways that we can help. Um, We can always go to the website and there's a list of things that are needed so people can ship or have sent whatever. I mean, I guess that's the same thing, but to, to the Haven, we always see like paper goods, cleaning products. Um, obviously we have meals that are donated, but you know, from afar, that's kind of hard, hard to do, but cleaning products, paper products, um, water, things like that. And if you go to the lakecountyhaven.org, which is our website, um, there's a, it shows like what's upcoming. And you can always, you know, give a money donation. We also have Adopt-A-Night where you can, did you read about the Adopt-A-Night? Yes. Yeah. Please tell me about that. I love that so much. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's super cool. So you basically donate an amount of money that it takes for the, the, the Haven to run for the night. And then your name is up in a plaque and you're, you're get, you are told what happened during the day and how many clients are there and how many are sober and how many have a job. And it just, it's like a feel good thing to just adopt the night. And you can pick a date on the calendar, right? Like yes. you can pick, so like if it's like your so birthday cool. and you want to yes. like pay for it, I thought in that was on, so cool. In honor of somebody or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's and really then you neat. can also do the the kind word campaign that you have an option to do that through the website, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So it's all just about inspiring and giving hope to the girls. I think it's so incredible. Thank do you, you have any words to anybody who is struggling that you kind of want to leave out there into the universe in case somebody just might need to hear it? I would say reach out because you cannot do it alone. You have to ask for help. You have to ask for help. So whoever it is that you're that you can gravitate towards, ask them for help. Couldn't have said it better. Thank you so much, yeah. Amy. Thank you so oh, thank much. You. Amy. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, we invite you to come be a part of the HDC community. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching at have the combo information on all of our shows guests and more visit htcpod.com while you're there be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode talk soon